It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Nets podcast. I am your host, Josh Bass, here on a Sunday night to talk about a couple of Nets victories and uh, the streaking team in Brooklyn who have won five in a row. Uh, and joining me is my friend, also my co-host, Marcus Barahal. Marcus, what's going on? Josh, good to be back. You know, the Nets, they just keep winning. Uh, undefeated since Gavin Shaw left the podcast, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's uh, that one caused the other, but definitely, um, I think we we all got DMs from Rondé Hollis Jefferson and D'Angelo Russell and the guys saying, really, we're a lot motivated to play better now that Gavin uh, went to the crosstown rival Knicks and and um, all good vibes here in Brooklyn. Uh, so we'll get into a couple of these games: uh, a victory over the Washington Wizards, and then today a throttling of the fledgling Atlanta Hawks, 144-127. Um, but first, we'll talk about the Wizards game, 125-118, Nets victory. Marcus, what were some things that stood out to you? Uh, the biggest thing was just the continued uh, ascent of our guy Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, 27 points in this one, 8 of 15. He got to the line a ton again, which is something that I really liked from the last game, which is just his aggressiveness. And uh, when he's willing to drive, yeah, it kind of opens up the rest of his game. great. Yeah, that first play, the first time he scored uh, in that game was it got me so hyped up. Where he got the ball at the top of the key, defense was scrambling a bit, and he kind of weaved in and out for the dribble and just had the wide open lane for the dunk. And, and the crowd just roared, being that it was his first bucket uh, since signing that extension. But he's really been on fire. I mean, uh, averaging eleven free throw attempts per game over the last three—that's Giannis levels. I mean, he is just—you know. He's a guy that can get to the basket, but just somehow something's taken over him these last few games because he has just been uh, on fire, hitting his threes, distributing well, uh, and his driving game has really been taken to another level. Yeah, and I think we've talked about how he's a guy who plays better when he has a chip on his shoulder, and I think Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that last year in that famous game against the Cavs where he kind of stepped up with LeBron. I remember Gavin talking about that. And then I think in this game, just going up against a backcourt like Wall and Beal, even though they are struggling, they have that pedigree. And that's like the one thing that Dinwiddie can't really say that he has. You know, Wall and Beal both, I think, both top five picks. Wall, of course, went number one. Yeah, both top three. Yeah. Beal was third, and, and Wall was uh, obviously number one. And, and yeah, no, he went up against the great backcourt. Also, uh, let's not forget about my boy Sadoransky, who, who actually is pretty decent. I kind of like his game and wish the Nets would find a way to, to trade for him because he's a smart player. But yeah, Dinwiddie has been killing it lately, and, and it's great to see this continued success. And as we talked about on last podcast, he's the type of guy that, when he gets his contract, it's going to even motivate him further to say, hey, I, I now I want to be considered a, a top 15, top 18 point guard in the league. Yeah, I think he can get there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that if he continues to push and continues to play with that chip that we've talked about, I think he'll definitely at least have a shot at getting to that level. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, you know, I was thinking about this the other night. Is there any possibility, if he keeps this up, of, and the Nets continue to 
play well and maybe uh, remain in that 9 or 10 seed range. Any chance for a Spencer Dimwitty all-star appearance? Ooh, I like the way you're thinking. Um, I'd have to think about it. Uh, who are like the locks at guard in the East right now? Probably Kyrie. Say ben, yeah, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Kemba. Yeah. And then, like, last year, Dragic made it. He's not going to make it this year. Right. Um, Lowry, the Raptors will probably get a second person, even though he hasn't been um, the best this year. And then, you know, I I think, like, either one of Eric Bledsoe, maybe. um, Middleton? Yeah, Middleton's probably going to make it. Yeah. Yeah, no one on the bull. Levine, just because he's putting up body numbers, but I don't know. People kind of hate him. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, it'd be tough to justify any of the Wizards guys also. Maybe Beal if they turn it around. But. John Wall had 38 and 14 tonight against the Lakers, so yeah. he's he's a possibility. But yeah, I think there's there's an outside shot with Spencer. So yeah. um, he's a, been a fan favorite. But let's talk about another fan favorite, Rody Kurutz, who had his first start against the Wizards last night, uh, or a couple nights ago, sorry, 15 points on 5 of 6 shooting, 6 rebounds, 0 turnovers, and, and his energy was contagious. And he's really forced himself into the rotation uh, and is making a huge impact for the Nets. Definitely. And uh, as someone who hadn't really watched him much before taking over this podcast from uh, the late, great Gavin Shaw. Uh, a hostile just, takeover, as we call it in the biz. I was very hostile when I took it over also. Um, I've just really enjoyed his energy. Uh, Kuruks just brings that kind of spark. And uh, I thought it was interesting, the decision to start him. I don't know that I... I mean, I guess I'm in favor of him getting the minutes. I don't know. I kind of like his energy off the bench to kind of bring life into the second unit, but I it's worked so far, so I'm not going to question Kenny on that. And Kenny we trust. Yeah, no, I think there's a, a case for Carroll starting instead of uh, Kurutz, but, you know, the way Kurutz is playing, and, and obviously the starting lineup has some problems just because there's not a ton of guys that can create their own shot, so having a guy in there like Kurutz who can make things happen, he can get offensive rebounds, get out and transition, it does help D'Angelo Russell a bit, a bit and uh, having another guy that's not going to stagnate the offense. Right, and he'll um, also, he'll probably slide back to the bench, I'm assuming, once Crab comes back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Crab's missed the last couple games. We'll see. You know, they're saying the, in, the knee injury isn't super um, major, but you never know with the Nets, and they have a tendency to be cautious. So, you know, I thought Crab was getting traded when they kept him out of that game. So, could still so we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, it could still happen. You know, he's been shooting really well. Contending teams, take a look at him. Uh, but we'll, we'll take a break here, and coming up, we'll wrap up this Wizards game and start to hit the uh, Nets 144-127 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Nets. A couple more points about this Nets victory over the Washington Wizards. Can my boy Beef Jerky Joe get some love? I mean, Joe Harris, 19 points, 6 assists. He had those clutch threes at the end of the game, which really put this out of reach for the Wizards. And uh, 5 of 6 from the field on two-pointers. His drive game was on point. You know, he's not just that standstill shooter. He is a really well-rounded player. And every time I watch him play, it makes me so happy that uh, Sean Marks was able to get him on that two-year, $16 million bargain. Yeah, the driving is something that uh, I think a lot of non-Nets fans, and me especially, before taking over this podcast, I didn't necessarily know 
just from listening to you and Gavin talk about last year, how he was in a class of with guys like LeBron in terms of their efficiency. Better than LeBron. Drives, of course, yeah. Uh, in many ways. Uh, just hearing that really blew my mind. But then watching him more closely now and uh, over the final stretch of last year, it's clear why. Because he kind of always keeps his head up. The six assists, as you mentioned, he's not just looking to drive and score every time. And I think he's playing like a role of a secondary creator for the Nets. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to have guys like him on the floor because they're not taking anything away. Um, and they do make plays from, from positions where you're not really expecting guys to. So, uh, Joe Harris, keep doing what you're doing. We love you. Uh, we love you, Joe. Uh, and that's podcast. If you ever want to come on, feel free to. We'll let you rant on. We, we, can, we will we'll, uh, bring back Grinds My Gears just for you. I missed that um, segment. Yeah, I missed that segment. Maybe we'll, we'll bring it back. Um, one other thing for you, Marcus. How does Ernie Grunfeld still have a job? Great question. I, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's been around for 15 years, and the team is terrible, and they're a laughing stock. Yeah, I mean, both of us, Josh, have uh, lived in briefly in the DMV. You know, we know how things operate in D.C. <clears throat> they kind of like to keep the same old guard and power. I think uh, the only real explanation is that he has to have some dirt on somebody, on something. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah. It might be a he. Maybe he just gets on the the side of the president. He can like cozy up to. Trump and, and previously Obama and then George W. Bush and I guess was he around for the Clinton era? I don't think he was around for that. I don't think for, so. Uh, that, but the guy just knows. I don't know. He something he has must have like a magic hold over. Uh, I'm playing not Leonsis. Is who's the Wizards owner now? I think that's or is it him? It yeah. is Leonsis. I think maybe, um, maybe if we met him in person, maybe he has some kind of gravitas that he brings to the table. Yeah, he just doesn't. I don't know. He just seems kind of he's bad. He really is bad. He's one of the worst GMs in the league. And he continuously makes these terrible trades and uh, forgets which Brooks is going to which team. But, you know, oh, he's born in Romania. I didn't realize that. Interesting. Did you know that? No. What? Okay. He went to, he went to uh, Forest Hills High School, so that's a, that's a plus. Sure. He's Jewish. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah. Who knows? I'm, I'm coming around on Ernie Grenfell for the Jewish thing. That's big for you, yeah. Yeah, it's important for me. Uh, so, so any final thoughts on, on this one? I think D'Angelo Russell didn't have a good game, but he more than made up for it in his effort against the Hawks. So uh, I can't bash him for, for anything he did against the Wizards, knowing that he had that excellent game uh, against Atlanta. Yeah, uh, for sure. And the only thing that I will add that I didn't necessarily love was that I kind of wanted more from Jared Allen in this mm-hmm. game. I mean, the Wizards started Thomas Bryant at center. He played 17 minutes, and that was really the only big guy that they played the whole game. Yeah, uh, I just would have liked to have seen more than five rebounds, more than four free throw attempts, just more aggression out of him. Can, you talk, can we talk about Thomas Bryant, Bryant's primal yell after he scored the and one in the first possession? Did you hear that? <laughs> I think so, like, yeah. screamed. It was so funny. I'm a big, um, I'm a big proponent of uh, post-and-one screams. Yeah, no, it's great. I feel like who's the player that's most... Um, I feel like it's such a Carlos Boozer thing. That's exactly Someone needs to the take name, his mantle yeah. that he's been out of the league for a while. Yeah. Yeah, but Jared Allen, you know, he, he puts up good... Like, this game, he had 12 points on good shooting, five rebounds, two blocks. But, you know, he always puts up good stats, but I still want him to affect the game more. I feel like he can get taken out at times. Um, he's not starting as well, especially on defense. I feel like he should be blocking more shots than he is, of being able to affect more shots than he is. Because when he's in position, he's doing great, but he needs to kind of... Um, be more active at all times, just to increase the amount um, that he's amount of impact that he's having. Sure. He is very talented. Yeah, definitely. 
So we'll see. Maybe that's something that will come uh, as he gets more experience and more comfortable on the floor because he still is uh, a young buck, a young buck in this league. A young net. trying to make an impact. A young net, exactly. Uh, So let's get into this Atlanta game a bit. Uh, Nets win their fifth in a row, 144-127, and it was just a blowout from the start. I mean, Atlanta did a good job making it close in the second quarter, um, but the Nets, again, took control in the second half and uh, put up their season high in points, just smashing their previous total, which was 127, out of the water. And it really started with D'Angelo Russell in this one. 32 points on 13 of 19 shooting. He was getting in the lane, nailing threes, hitting floaters, uh, and had six rebounds, seven assists, and zero turnovers. Probably, uh, if not um, his best game as a net, certainly top three, because the guy was just on fire. Yeah, he was electric. I mean, I... Full disclosure, I work Sunday to Thursday, so I had this stream up for this game at work since it was at 3 p.m. So I was kind of in and out. But from what I saw, I mean, D'Lo was just red hot. Five of nine from three. I mean, my only complaint about his game in this one was that he didn't really get to the line, which is something that has been the case the last couple games and was, I think for me at least, it's made even more apparent just when you compare him to Dinwiddie, a guy who constantly attacks. And Russell was great in this game, but... The only thing about it is he's not going to shoot 13 of 19 every night. He's not going to shoot 5 of 9 from 3 every night. So I would just personally like him to see, or like to see from him, another way to get his offense when that shot isn't falling. Right, and that's the thing with D'Angelo Russell. He's definitely, we're not saying he's not capable of having these games. Absolutely he is. He can catch fire uh, with the best of them. But at the same time, until he finds different ways to get his points, um, then he's going to be extremely volatile and very streaky. I mean, he's not going to hit 5 of 9 from 3 every night. He's not going to just be on fire from mid-range and hitting his EFIS pitch floaters every night. You know, He needs to find ways to diversify his game, and he really doesn't get to the line. I mean, his last four games, he's had he's taken two combined free throws, and both of those were off technical fouls, so it's nothing of his own doing. He needs to find ways to get to the line and be able to make his scoring a bit more efficient when that shot's not falling. I mean, these nights are great to see, but uh, you know they're not going to ha- happen every night. So... Um, I think the biggest thing to note was that his passing was really great. Seven assists. He could have had a lot more. Uh, he was dropping dimes to people. He had total control of the offense. Uh, seven assists against zero turnovers. That's the thing from this night that's going to be most repeatable. And I think that's a big thing to, to take going forward. Definitely. And, yeah, I don't want it to come off as if we're just, like, piling on to D'Lo. But uh, that was definitely a big positive. Because when I say creating offense, it doesn't have to be for himself. I think the assists are a great way to get guys like Kuruks and uh, Jared Allen involved, guys who can't necessarily create for themselves, but who, when they get touches on offense, can bring energy then on defense and kind of bail him out on the other end, and it kind of works hand Mm -hmm. in hand. So I think the seven assists is uh, definitely a bright spot. And also, I I want to give him credit, because his defense was actually amazing in this game, just like really good hands, getting in passing lanes. Um, You know, he's always going to have lapses off the ball, and he's going to struggle to contain one-on-one, but if he can become a good... Um, get get his hands in passing lanes and, and just kind of reduce the amount of lapses he has, then he could be just a, an average to below average defensive player. And that would be such a huge upgrade. And I have to give him a lot of credit because this year his defense has been so much better than in the past. And you can tell he's putting in the work and the effort on that end. So uh, big props to D'Angelo Russell. A um, couple other guys who, who I want to talk about, but first we'll take our final break here on Lockdown Nets and uh, hit you up with some Impact Nets action coming up. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last segment here on Locked On Nets. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, in on this Nets team played great this game. Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, my boy, Jared Dudley. I don't get to say that a lot, but he, he had a great game. Ed Davis. Marcus, who stood out the most for you? Um, I would have to say Rondé. I thought that uh, he's, I, I've said it before, but he's just one of my favorite players to watch on the Nets. And the fact that he can get those four rebounds, get those three assists three and two steals, just like contributing in all the different facets of the game. It's just something that is really pleasing to watch for me, at least. Someone who will do whatever. He even hit a three in this game, something that we talked about in our first podcast. Uh, probably won't keep up, but the fact that he's willing to take here and there a three is, is big for him. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice added benefit. The one thing I will say with Rondé, it's so frustrating, and I think there's maybe nothing more de- demoralizing as a Nets fan than when he gets a rebound, tries to grab and go and push up the floor, and then just loses the ball. And it happened twice uh, this game where it's out of control, and this is against an Atlanta team that is god-awful. So against good teams, you can't be making those mistakes. So his ball handling still needs to improve. You know, it's great to have games like this, but um, I think defense is really going to be where he makes his mark in this league if it's going to happen. So focusing more on that as opposed to uh, trying to show off his one-on-one skills and, and really going one-on-four against the Atlanta Hawks. Definitely. And it, yeah, that exact move that you talked about, I saw it work on one occasion. Uh, where he got an and one, it looked like he kind of flipped it up almost without even looking. Yeah, so it was yeah, probably yeah. a fluke, but I think he, yeah, he does definitely do that too much, where he just kind of barrels in and just hopes to get bailed out with a foul call. Mm-hmm. Damari Carroll also does that. Damari Carroll literally does the uh, tries to drive in and basically like puts his does the James Harden thing where he puts his hands in front of the other defender um, and tries to get that foul call every time. He has no move. That's just what he does. Yeah, it's just looking to get bailed out, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think Damari Carroll, I feel like he's kind of washed and that we can officially say that because he was getting blown by on defense so often uh, in both the Wizards game and this game where he's just, well, will either help too much or he'll just get beaten straight up one-on-one. And for a guy that used to be pretty quick and a good defensive player, he's lost that. Yeah, and he played 31 minutes in this game, which I was stunned by. I mean, he led the team in minutes. Uh, it was a revenge game of sorts for him against the Hawks, you know, the team where he kind of made his name. And uh, he was fine. Uh, offensively, he was fine. I don't know. I mean, I would, I've would. i said it before. I want those minutes to go to younger guys. Jared Allen only played 15 minutes. I know he had foul trouble, but still, I'd like to see him run out there a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean... Should he have gotten, I guess, those that time in the end, that garbage time? Is it good for someone like him to be out there playing a couple more minutes a game? Uh, or is that just you don't want to risk injury? Because I feel like for him, he's still so raw, it's good to have that basketball experience. Definitely. And I think uh, he, I mean, that was, that was the time when guys like Napier and Fareed were in. And Jared Allen doesn't really get time with those guys to play. So I think if some of the guys, like, if Crab does get moved and Napier gets elevated in the rotation, maybe gets some of those minutes... Uh, it would just be good to start developing that chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Um, let's talk about let's talk about my boy Jared Dudley because he was making a rain, making good defensive plays. Twenty five minutes for him. I mean, can we give the guy some love? And honestly, 
one of the one of the silkiest, smoothest voices in the NBA. He could probably do our job while doing his job. We just put a mic on him during the games. I think that would be a pretty good podcast. He was butter. He was butter. Yeah. Um, speaking of silky smooth voices, John Sterling called this game. Um, I was expecting the worst. I was really, uh, really upset uh, that he was getting the time. And, and my dad, who, if you guys didn't see it on Twitter, at Locked On Nets, was even more upset. But my dad texted me halfway through the first quarter um, saying, Sterling's not too bad. And because we're used to him on radio, and he's, for anyone who doesn't know, John Sterling, voice of the New York Yankees radio broadcast, probably the worst and most inaccurate broadcaster of all time and someone who's just constantly doing shtick as opposed to telling you about the game which you can't see because you're listening to it on radio but uh didn't find him too bad in this setting uh i think sarah kustak was really trying to like joke around and play games with him and he just like i guess didn't understand or didn't uh, like know what was happening really uh but i thought strong was a pretty good job i thought he was going to come in and have no idea who his anyone was that he was just gonna, instead of referring to guys like DeAndre Bembry and Kevin Herter. He was just going to call them like by their number. Like number 95 drives down the court. But yeah, he wasn't too bad. He kind of knew what he was talking about. Uh, had a couple plays where he completely botched the call and just would say pass from Allen when D'Angelo Russell was the one that made the pass. But uh, overall, not not the worst from John Sterling. But I'm excited to have Ian and, and Ryan back for future games. Right. I was expecting almost like when you create a player in NBA 2K... And then they just say, like, the point guard brings the ball yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, Great jumper from Money. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought, yeah, I thought maybe he the, the nicknames. Yeah, he, he, like, goes to basketball reference and looks up the player. Um, he looks up the nickname for each player. Like, if he was calling Dirk Nowitzki, he's like, the tall baller from the G with the shot. Right, just things that no one ever actually says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but John, John Sterling wasn't too bad. So, yeah. uh, Need a Barry Bass email, a follow-up. Tweet that yeah. out. Yeah, I will. I'll have him write me another email, and I'll post it. Um, Let's talk about the Hawks a little bit, because John Collins, I think, might be the best power forward I've ever seen in my life. He was so good. Yeah, I think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. I think it's done. Yeah, he like just the the way he plays, where he's so athletic and he can hang in in the air, and he'll just start uh, a drive from eighteen feet or so, and just get ahead of steam and and make a, a thorough step. Uh, he's he's really good, and the Hawks have a, a good one. It's not translating any wins now, um, but John Collins is going to be a star, and I wish he was on the Nets because I, I really wanted them to get him last year. He was picked 19th. Jared Allen was 22nd. I was saying, okay, maybe John Collins falls another couple spots, but uh, alas, it was it was not the case. But he had a really good game. And uh, Marcus, you also want to talk about Dwayne Dedman, who somehow went five of five on threes. I I just couldn't believe that. I. Like I said, I didn't watch the entire game. I just came in and out for parts. But so I was checking the box score. I saw five of five, and I thought no, he was it was on like, fire. yeah. I mean, because I, I I also noticed that Trey Young was one of two from three. So I thought maybe those had gotten flipped. I was just mm-hmm. confused more than anything else. Yeah, Dwayne Dedman can can shoot, and I've always had a soft spot for him because did you ever read that article years back about um, how he's he's a uh, He's a Jehovah's Witness, and how his mom didn't allow him to play organized sports until he was like 19 or 20. I did not so read he, that. Yeah, he has a really remarkable story. He was playing at some like D3 school, then got the chance to go to USC, um, and then I think it was only a couple of years ago where his mom actually saw him play his first game. Wow. So he, yeah, he has a really cool story. He's actually been one of my random favorite players since that, but yeah, he was drilling threes. And he, seems like that, he's, he seems like he's a very quick learner then also. If he like wasn't able to play... 
organized sports, and then he just kind of picked it up. And then also with his outside shot, like, he wasn't shooting threes as recently as, like, a couple seasons ago, and then now he's 5 yeah. of 5 in a game. Yeah, it just started last He had taken one three in his career until last season when he was 50 of 141 for 35.5%. So, yeah, he kind of had a Brook Lopez type thing where he just learned to shoot threes out of nowhere. Um, he, yeah, he's an interesting player. I think he's someone that is – he's bounced around a lot. He's been on um, five teams already in his career. But uh, he has some skill, and he, he's, a decent, he's a decent guy that you can throw out there as a serviceable center, and he's also a high-level backup. Uh, but, yeah, he was hitting – hitting bombs uh and some of them were off screens catch and shoot he was doing some stuff and then his celebration every time he would hit a three is he'd pick up the phone i don't know what that was um but i love Maybe the he's, new thing he's answering the call i don't know yeah i don't know I, I love the new thing with like all the celebrations and like jamal murray licking his lips which is just so weird to me did you but... see lance stevenson getting a tech for the air guitar no i didn't yeah he uh I think it was against the Hornets, against Miles Bridges. He, like, hit a three and then, like, looked at him and did an air guitar solo. What? And then started to and walk he away. Get, and he got, he got tech. teed up? Yeah, he got a tech. I don't like that. Yeah. And also the James Harden nosebleed. It's one of my favorites. Some good celebrations in the NBA right now. Yeah, I think uh, someone on the Nets needs one. Uh, Jared Dudley does a thing where he, like, does, like, a, a wheel motion and, like, runs, runs with his uh, hand uh, parallel to the ground on his way back on defense, but... Need something a little bit cooler than that. I'd like Spencer Dinwiddie to start having a celebration also. Right. I haven't seen D'Lo break out the uh, ice in my veins in a while either. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get back, back on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll tweet at him. Um, but yeah, Hawks, Trey Young didn't really do too much. Uh, he ended the game with 13 points and 10 assists, which looked like nice stats, but he didn't really have too much of an impact. My boy Kevin Herter, uh, shout out to the Terps, uh, didn't do much as well. And, and I'm really high on Herter. Herter and Len, two Terps there. Oh, true. I forgot about that. I think there are only two in the league now that Steve Blake's retired. Glad to see that they, they found each other. Um, and always nice to see Vince Carter on, on the court for Atlanta. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird team. Jeremy Lin as well, who uh, was great seeing back in uh, Barclays Center and very happy for him that he's had a healthy season to date. Yeah, definitely. Jeremy Lin, from all accounts, seems like a really good dude. So always rooting for him. Always, always. Um, so the Nets coming up will play the Los Angeles Lakers. Nets have won five in a row. The Lakers just got blown out today by the Wizards. Marcus, what's the chances we're getting a sixth win to add to the streak? Honestly, I kind of like the Nets' chances. I know D'Angelo Russell is going to be playing hard. He always does against the Lakers just because of the trade and everything. And I, I could see the Nets uh, really battling. The only, I mean... This is obvious, pretty obvi- a pretty obvious statement to make, but uh, they're going to need to slow down LeBron if they if they want a chance to win. Really? I, mean, I, I don't know if they huh. thought about that at all. but Yeah, listen, that's a, it's a bold prediction. I don't know. I think the Nets kind of match up well because they usually struggle against teams where the point guard can get in the lane and cause havoc, and that's really not Lonzo's game. He's more of kind of uh, facilitating from outside and not focusing on his scoring too much. Um, he is a good defender who could, who could lock up D'Lo or Dinwiddie, but um, yeah, I, I kind of like the Nets in this one. I think Jared Allen, it will be an interesting test for him against JaVale McGee, uh, who's someone who has the size and the athleticism to match up with Jared Allen, especially uh, inside. But um, it, should be, it should be an interesting one. I'm excited to see how the Nets play and how they react to going up against a guy like LeBron James, who is a top two player of all time. So um, we'll, we'll check that out. Marcus, any final thoughts? Uh, just that LeBron's top one, but that's it. Uh, we can Ooh, we can discuss that on another podcast. I got to debate with that yeah. about that today. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And 
basically the, the argument was that um, Jordan would have had eight straight finals also if he didn't go leave to play baseball. I don't, I don't know, because he would have been more tired if he had gone to play baseball. Would have been more worn down by the end. He was yeah, already like, the, playing with a flu at the end. I don't know. The biggest thing for LeBron is that you just show someone the 2007 uh, Cavs roster and be like, listen, you got this team to the finals. That, that's it. And it's like Sasha Pavlovich, Booby Gibson. Was Eric Snow on that team? I th- yeah, I think Eric, Eric Mike Snow was on that team. That was, that was a really bad team. Larry Hughes, I remember they were very hyped up when they got him, and he was terrible. Big Z inside. Uh, yeah, that, I don't think that team would have even made the playoffs if they didn't have LeBron. No, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the Cavs team this year. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nets podcast. We'll be back this week uh, talking about some uh, game action against the Los Angeles Lakers and hitting you with our top five best and worst players Um player coaches current players in the league that would be player coaches and uh in the meantime follow us on twitter at locked on nets engage with us marcus is at marcus barahal i am at jm bass underscore and uh until then be well bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today